Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Welcome back to the Flow Track Podcast. Flow Track Podcast at gmail.com is our email address. I'm Kevin. He's Gordon. And we got news to talk about today as Gordon still settles into his seat there. Right after we got done recording yesterday, Gordon, major suspension in the world of track and field. Christian Coleman is going to be out for two years, meaning he will miss next summer's Olympics. Of course, this is all pending an appeal to the Court of Arbitration of sport. So we are going to dive in and discuss all of that today. How are you doing? Doing good. Uh, I'm surprised um, and not surprised at the same time with the Coleman news. It's kind of funny though, when you read the whole report, it's a lot of like interesting tidbits that you, me and Lincoln were kind of talking about in our group chat that I would like to break down here in this pod today. Yeah, so let's do that. And these reports, now this was from the, the tribunal that came in and decided on on the punishment here. And the Athletics Integrity Unit, of course, was involved as well. And they had the options here. Obviously, they could do they could throw the case out, which we didn't expect. You could do a one-year suspension, which is what Coleman was hoping for when he came on our pod last June after this third violation was announced, you know, that one-year suspension. Or two years that was that was the maximum and that's what he ended up getting so he didn't dispute one of the tests and then the other two one was the whereabouts failure where he was at the drake relays and then the other one was the one in december where he was christmas shopping i'm assuming you want to focus in on the the december facts uh yeah but first let's talk about the drake one okay what sure. do you think about it like, if I was Coleman, I would try to use the Drake one as, like, hey, I was at a World Athletics event where, mm-hmm. you know, like, are you, like, you should, like, I don't know, like, I feel like that one is more of, like, a technicality of, like, we got you technicality. You forgot to tell people you were at the track meet, even though everyone mm-hmm. knew he was at the track meet. It's not like he was, like, there as a spectator going to a sporting event and didn't tell anyone he was leaving his home, right? 
and also he's at an event where you can get tested. Like the fact that like well, he wasn't competing though. He, he was there under oh, in the capacity as a volunteer coach for Kentucky. Yeah, he was not competing oh. in that meet. And with that one, what the report oh, okay. found and what they ruled was. Yeah. So what the report found there was basically he changed his locations after he had already been contacted and after he had already been told, hey, we can't set up a test for you at Drake because that's what he said. And that's what he's said all along of, hey, can you guys just test me here? He said they said no. And then he went into the app and, and changed it. It was already after he had been been contacted. That one seemed like of the two ones that he was disputing, um, the one that they pushed back on this report the hardest against. I mean, in general, they said he was the, – the words they used were careless at best and reckless at, at worst. And I think that is something that they used to help illustrate that. So then we get to the December one where yeah. – that changed, Well, why, that, why, that makes, yeah. why don't you run through – why don't you run through just December based on what we know and then dig into what the report found? So, I mean, what do, what do you mean? So, basically, Coleman's story was that I think at like 7.53, he bought Chipotle. Then he drove home to catch the beginning of a football game that starts at 8.15, ate the Chipotle, then drove back to a Walmart and purchased 16 items, and the checkout was at 8.22. So in a 29-minute span, he ordered Chipotle, drove the Chipotle home, ate the Chipotle, watched the beginning of a football game, drove to Walmart, purchased Walmart items. So he did those six things in 29 minutes. He's the fastest man in the world. I'll give him that. But mm -hmm. I don't know if he's the fastest consumer in the world. And it might be a little hard to, for him to – be able to prove that that's the real story. And I think the investigators kind of were like called BS on that story. And I think the real story is he was just gone. He was, he ate the Chipotle at Chipotle and then was still out like hanging out at the mall, then walked over to go to Walmart at 822 and bought the Walmart supplies. Mm hmm. And he just had to come up with a, oh, I was home watching a football game and it was, the music was on and, you know, I couldn't hear you. You should have knocked, knocked louder and you guys should have called and just trying to come up with an alibi that he kind of is just backpedaling like he realized he made a mistake and he's trying to justify his mistake by coming up with a new story. And I think, I personally think Coleman is not doping. I just think even after two strikes, technically – three strikes because he had the backdated mm. strike. This was really right. his fourth strike. I think he was, just was naive about the seriousness of not following these these protocols and these rules. I think he just thought like, come on, I'm not doping. Who cares? Like, why are you guys always on me? Like, just had like this mindset mm. of like, this isn't that big of a deal. And then when the fourth strike comes, he's now realizing, oh shit, it is a big deal. All right, come up with an alibi. We know it's a bullshit alibi just based off of the timeline. And, uh, yeah, it's where we are. And then, you know, we can go into why they didn't call him, which you, you can talk about. But, yeah, 
that 29-minute storyline of ordering Chipotle at 7.53, driving home, eating it, watching a football game, driving back out to order um, not 16 items from Walmart. It's just not right. really plausible. Right, and the main thing he mentioned the first time was was at the mall, went to Chipotle, and then went home and watched Monday Night Football for the start at 8.15. And he said the window was 7.15 to 8.15, and that's when he knew he was there. The Walmart stuff was was new to me. The Walmart stuff was was new to me, and the fact that there were receipts that had him there at 8.22, again, makes the whole timeline implausible. And they they explain this in the report, and they put all this these serious words to it, which makes it sound ridiculous. It's like, we concluded based on the times and distances, it would have been difficult for him to go home, not see anybody, not see the DCO, consume his Chipotle, which was weird because they just assume he ate his Chipotle, but it's like, he could have just waited on his Chipotle. He could have put it in the kitchen and then gone out and left. The thing that's difficult to figure out is how do you even drive there and back and buy 16 things in the course of a few minutes? That's that's the tough thing to figure out. But they put a lot of very serious words around it. You mentioned you mentioned the the phone call, which and they're going to appeal this. And I think this to me looks like the only sort of path forward to get this overturned. And there might be other ones. I'm constantly surprised and constantly wrong that's why i'm not a lawyer uh about you know the intricacies of these rules and ways in which you know people can can be be clear to this but he had mentioned he didn't get a call and he had gotten calls previously and they bring that up in the in the report and they say hey listen sometimes you know that's not the expectation we are, we are under no obligation to put do not call but what coleman was always wondering is well why does it say do not call um and it turns out the person who put do not call on there, the organization that put do not call on there, because there's a box. We've seen the report, right? He posted that on on Instagram for everybody to see after this, this final missed test. That was the AIU, the out-of-competition testing manager for the AIU. And I'm reading from the report here. It says, he told us he gave this no-call instruction for three reasons. And l- let me stop and say why this is important, okay? First of all, because if you believe that he's not doping, right? This guy gets on the phone to call him and says, hey, Christian, it's eight o'clock. I've been knocking on your door for 45 minutes. You got to get here in the next 15 minutes or you get a or you get a, a failed test. He gets in his car. He drives immediately home. He takes the test. He presumably, if you believe that he's, he's clean, passes the test. He does not have a, uh, a, a third strike. We get to January, right? And he doesn't have any other missed tests. Then that January test comes off the board. And then we go to April and that one comes off the board because now we've gone 12 months and he's fine. He competes this past year. And more importantly, he competes in the Olympics. That's why this is important because it hinges all on that if you believe that he's clean and he's not trying to evade it. Now, because whether or not he- if there was a, Yeah, because if, the, if there was a phone call, he wasn't far away because he was at a place that was nearby. So he had the ability- right to get there if there was a phone call. Right. And and again, yeah. you could say he's negligent or as, as they're saying, reckless or careless, whatever. But I'm just saying the, the practical impact of this is enormous because he was that close and he could have taken it if he wanted to, if he got if he got that call. Now you could say, well, he should have been there in the first place. Again, I get it, but I'm just saying why this is important. In any event, 
the AIU is saying there was no call instructions for three reasons. One, the athlete had in the relatively recent past missed four tests and missed tests were always a warning sign in relation to an athlete. So that must be referring to prior years because if he had missed four tests within the last calendar year, he'd have been out. So there must have been missed tests maybe in 18 or 19 that led up to this, but not meeting the threshold of three in a 12-month period. Two, in the past, there had been a combination of very good performances by the athlete and missed tests. I'm going to pause there for a second because I don't think this carries the weight that they think it does because Christian Coleman has had a lot of good performances in 2016, 2017, 2018. And in none of those years, 2019, right. But in none of those years, those early years, did he have three in a, in a 12 month period? Why we would have known about it because he would have been suspended. So I don't know if you can correlate mistest to good performances because I could pull up right now 2017, he had way more than three good performances, right? That's that's sort of a weird that's sort of a weird way to phrase that. They're sort of making him seem as if a guy who randomly popped up and ran a good time and then went into hiding for a couple months and then popped up again and then ran a good time again. And I think that's a mischaracterization of that. And I would push back on that point. Again, you could believe he's in the wrong, a hundred percent. But I would push back on that point. And then three. He had an impression that the athlete might have been forewarned on previous tests. That I don't know about. That I don't know about and can't comment on. And I don't know how you would prove that one way or the other unless he told somebody. But what what are your thoughts of uh, on these no-call instructions, Gordon? I think all three of those reasons are just technical reasons. The real reason, I think, is pride. And I think they wanted the to get AIU him. They wanted to get him. was embarrassed that they thought they had him and it got overturned and he was able to compete at Worlds and then he was able to win a world title. Remember, AIU flagged him of like, hey, you can't compete at Worlds. He had to pull out of a Diamond League because of it. And then mm-hmm. because of a technicality of backdating a test, he was able to compete at Worlds and, you know, win Worlds. And I'm sure Coleman was probably quoted on camera saying they're out to get me and probably uh, bragged about being innocent. I'm using quotes right here, being innocent. And I think AIU was like, fuck you. We're going to get you. And then they're like, all right, every time we got to test them, we're going to not call him because we're going to, teach him a lesson that you don't mess with us. I mean, I'm projecting this. I'm not sure if this is actually, but I really think it was a vendetta of being embarrassed that Coleman got out of the backdated mistest uh, technicality before Worlds. And then he goes on to win Worlds and he's a world champion. And I'm sure there's someone in that company who's just sitting at home being like, Dan, this is bullshit. He's not supposed to be there. You know what? Next time we have to go test them, we're going to put a do not call. And if we get them, we're not going to call. And then it's mm-hmm. going to be perfect, you know? And I think that's what they were trying to do. Now, I I think it just – we got to remember, there's humans involved in the system. It's not like this is a robot testing mm-hmm. another robot, right? So there's human emotion in people, right? And – Humans are flawed and humans can have 
be jealous, be prideful, and I think uh, have uh, un- have could have like internal bias, right? And I think that mm-hmm. they had an internal bias against Coleman because of him getting away with technicalities. And I think they had an internal bias against him because he was really good. And he's all built up to a do not call mandate. And again, they're not required to call, but right, you know, right. I'm sure if it was like, I don't know, some, I don't insert random 1500 meter runner who finishes seventh at the U.S. trials, they probably would call because they're like, oh, I don't want to wait here for an hour. Let me just call him. Hey, I'm outside your front door. Oh, okay, cool. Mm-hmm. You know, I feel like yeah. in this situation, they walked to that door, they knocked once, and then they started their timer. And they were like, here we go. You know, I feel like it was like, we can do it. We can get to that 60-minute mark, and boom, we got them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I think that's a good point about humans being involved. That previous case screwed everything up. And it wasn't fair, I don't think, on either end, because they didn't follow their own rules. And this thing was announced and leaked, and they should know the rule. They should be able to count one year, just as everybody else should be able to count one year. It shouldn't have to go before a panel, but like that should have been known before the 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 charging document was even was even issued. I think, yeah, you could you could blow a hole through that those three reasons. But then on the other side of things, AIU could come back and say, we're under look at the code. We are under no obligation to call. And I think that's Move where on, the impasse yeah. is going to be. Yeah, exactly. They're going to say we're under no obligation to call. Um, but just bringing up this whole idea that there's a correlation between good performances and missed tests. I mean, Coleman's lawyers are going to be able to bring a ton of receipts where he <laughs> was available for tests and he still ran fast. I mean, just the the math bears that out. You could sure you could find a performance where he ran well and maybe his one, but he could have only had two missed tests during those other times. And again, as someone who's followed his career, same with you, you followed call his career. He's been running more better at a rate more than two good times a year. That's just usually it's two good times a month for him, and that would have been noticed. That would have been flagged previously. Again, I don't see. I don't see them overturning it at this point. And the great irony here is if last year that whereabouts failure or that filing failure counted and he was suspended, he would have missed 2019. And even if they did two years, would have missed 2020, but he would be back for the Olympics and he would probably trade the Olympics for this. And also then I think he would have had a better chance. He would have had a better chance of only getting a one-year suspension because I don't know how you feel, Gordon, but right now I feel as if Coleman's being looked at as a two-time offender because they're saying, well, that was the first one and he, and, and he got off and this is the second one. Whereas if it was just the first time, then maybe they would have been a little bit more lenient. So strange events colliding here to to get us to this point. Yeah, and like... It just sucks that this is what that, – that this situation unfolded, right? It sucks that yeah. Coleman was naive about the seriousness. It sucks that the AIU 
maybe was you know playing by the book in a in a weird way in order to kind of make this event happen because if they would have called this event would not have happened and we know that for a fact like because here's the thing the aiu rule of not calling in what scenario would calling someone during their window help them avoid help them uh give a clean test when they're not clean mm -hmm. like how would well, uh, it's the whole idea is you need to be here for now like what the the heads up of a call what could the athlete do that would ruin the test in that situation that's what i don't understand well especially in the era of doorbell cameras and and things like that like you'd know that you were you'd know that they were coming <laughs> At that point, it's not like you're peeking your head around. So if you were doing something, well, the, the, he has to give the like, test at what, that point. He's on two strikes. He's on two strikes. Yeah. Right. He, so no, when the, you my, can say, my thing is like, that why is there a do not call? Like why, what, what is the fear that AIU has if they were to call? Like what's their worst case scenario that they call and then what happens? So they call like, hey, you're not here. And then. AIU calls Coleman at like 7.14, so he has 59 minutes. What could Coleman do in those 59 minutes that would make him pass a test if he was not clean? Yeah. Are you, like, get, are you able to flush drugs out of your system? You know, that's, we got to bring, we got to have Lincoln on for that. He knows more about that stuff than, than you or I. I'm not, I'm not a hundred percent sure, but I think, I think that is the fear. And also I think just the, they don't want to establish the expectation that we're going to call you every time because then you introduce another variable of like we had with Saweed Nasser. Oh, the phone number didn't work. Okay. Well then whose responsibility is that? Is it on the DCO for having updated contact information or is it on, on the athlete? I think that's it. I think they're just basically saying, Hey, be here for this hour and then you don't need to worry about it. So again, I don't think this is going to get overturned because of that because they are under no obligation to call him. So they could just print out that rule and and lay it down on the desk, and then that's where this thing this thing dies. But I think the fact. But that why he's is that been rule written? Why is that, that a rule? For the reasons why I said, does I don't AI think you have they, a rule of a do not call rule. I don't think that they're saying they don't have to call. I think because they don't want to establish this idea that they need that the burden is on them to call people. I think they they are saying. You give your hour. That should be enough. Be there during your hour. We're not going to chase you around. You're a professional. I think that's what they would say. And they don't, they don't, it just opens it up for more. It opens this up. It opens this discussion up. You, you know, you know what people were saying a year ago? You only can get work done if you're inside of an office building. You need to come in at 8 a.m. every day <laughs> and sit in a cubicle with a bunch of other people for nine you're straight hours. That. And that's the only way you can work. Like the people who are lazy and don't know how to get the who are not committed to their job are the ones who are working from home. Well, look what happened. It looks like companies can still work from home, right? Is I feel like that's just like AIU. Well, no, I'm just saying, like AIU, the whole idea, like, well, we don't want to have to deal with phone calls now. That's bullshit. Yeah. It's 2020, man. You like if, if anything, it's going to make your job easier. You're not going to sit there for 59 minutes knocking on a door when you're like you can send a text hey i'm here oh boom like yeah there's a, like imagine if doordash and postmates had a do not call rule they're like no you just got to be at the door 
when we come. Mm-hmm. Like they're gonna be like they're gonna go out of business because they're like, shit, I don't want to wait here for someone to come to my door. I can just yeah. text them and they'll be here quicker. Like, like adapt to the times, right? Everyone has a cell phone on them. You you could probably do more tests if you had a cell phone, right? And also, okay. if they had a cell phone, then there's even more of a way to like prove that someone is truly trying to get out. Because then you have two things they dodge. They dodge their phone and they dodge their address. Like then you're like, all right. Like you have no right. excuse. Like But again, I I think in the time being, I just think they're until they rewrite it, I think what they're trying to do is minimize the amount of moving parts here. And that would add another moving part. And they're just saying be there, be there during that time. We don't want to give this idea of advanced, advanced warning, um, or we don't want to have to establish that we contacted you and what number did we use and was that the right number? Was your voicemail inbox full? Were you on the other line? Were you at a cell phone service? All that other, all that other stuff. Anyway, so what's what's interesting here too is because of the timing of the suspension and because the Olympics have been pushed back. This was really an all or nothing suspension because if the suspension was one year and he was eligible by May, 2021, that's not really a suspension. He would be back in time for the Olympic trials and he'd of course run at the Olympic games. And then you do two years and then now two years, he's gone for all of 2021 and comes back at the beginning of 2022. So he misses the most important competition of his career. And that's likely to say, because we've, we talked previously about how many Olympics an athlete gets in their prime. If you're really, really good, maybe get to three, maybe get to three here. And this was his, this is his prime Olympics. So the punishment really was a balancing act here of basically nothing or slap on the wrist or extremely severe. And I think they weighed those, weighed those two things and had to decide what they wanted. And that's the weird kind of the weird quirk of the, the pandemic pushing it back and all the strange timing of, of the, the first almost suspension. Now, now the actual suspension. Um, What do you think of, let's talk about how this changes the hundred though. Do you want to talk about that for, for next year's Olympics? How old was the same bolt? In 2016. Yeah, so how old was the same bolt in 2016? So he's uh, uh 34 now. He's like tw- so if he's like he was 30. 30, 20, yeah. He was 30. Yeah. So Usain Bolt's final Olympics, he was 30, right? Mm-hmm. Uh Coleman will be 29 at the 2024 Olympics. Yeah. And he'll be 25 next year in yeah. in 2016, a little too young. Wasn't quite in his prime yet. Still got to, still got to, you know, experience the Olympics with the relay. But this was going to be, this was going to be it. And that's what I'm saying. It's it's crazy that the difference between those two rulings can't be understated in yeah. terms of his career. The difference between being suspended for a year and basically missing a non-championship year, but being able to compete in time for the Olympics and the the trials in the Olympics. And then this, which is you get knocked out of your peak Olympic games. Um, And obviously he was going to be the favorite. 
he was going to be the favorite. So things open up on the U.S. side for an extra spot and an extra spot on the medal podium is available as well too. Have you have you thought that far ahead yet? Have you gotten to how this impacts the the hundred on the world scene and even the two hundred? I guess you could say because there was a chance he might have tried to double and get on that two hundred meter team for the U.S. as well. Yeah, I've thought about it. Um, who do you? Th- I mean, who would you say is the? Should we start at the world level, the Olympic level, or should we go right to the U.S. level? Uh, let's start. We'll start at the, at the U. U.S. Yeah, level? let's do. Yeah, let's start at the U.S. level. So who would level. our team be? I think it's Lyles, it's Bromel, based on what he did. It's and crazy then that it's Bromel, right? <laughs> it's just wild, <laughs> dude. Twenty twenty, am I right? Like that actually applies. Twenty twenty is a Bromel. great. Just everyone's like everything. <laughs> Bromel's like everyone's like. Why is everyone hating on twenty twenty so much? This is the greatest year ever. <laughs> The combination of factors that led to if he if he wins it all next year, I don't think people are gonna appreciate because they're gonna be like, oh, he was in the Olympics in 2016 and now he's back in 2020. Yeah, like, What's no. the big deal? They're not gonna they're not gonna understand or 2021, they're not gonna understand. Uh Bromel, Lyles, uh, and then I think it's three people for that final spot, and they all have separate cases. One, Baker, we've seen him at his peak. And if all three of these guys that I'm thinking of are at their peak, I think he'll make it. Gatlin, we don't know how much he has left, but if he has 90% of what he was at last year, I think he'll be fine. And then I don't think you can count out Mike Rogers because he is 10 till the cows come home. And I think he'll be right in that spot there next year. So if I had to pick between those three right now, I would say Baker would join Bromel and Lyles, but I think Gatlin and Rogers also have a shot. Yeah, I mean, I would, I, I would. It seems crazy to like. Every year, I'm one thing. This is Gatlin. This is the year Gatlin doesn't make it, and then he does make it. Right? He's he's mm-hmm. been, he's been like respectable this season. Even like he put up like respectable times. I think we're like ten o something. So, mm-hmm. I think Gatlin has said the Olympics are his final year. I think, I think Gatlin makes it. So I think it's going to be uh, Lyles, Bromel, and Gatlin. And I I could see mm-hmm. Bromel winning the trials over over Lyles. And I can see Gatlin getting third. And you phrased this question before as, okay, let's talk about the U.S. scene and then let's talk about the world scene. I think Bromel and Lyles are going to be in contention for the gold. You could put Andre DeGrasse in there as well. But the U.S. has been in a strong position in this event the last couple of years, ever since Bolt retired. It's been primarily dominated by the U.S. at the top, and I think that continues. You want to look at the relay? I don't think there's going to be too much of a drop-off because the U.S. is so deep. And listen, U.S. 4 by one and the Olympics, World Championships, comes down to the handoffs. It doesn't really come down to, can this guy run 9-6 or 9-8? Or it comes down to, can they get the stick around? So if they can get the stick around, I think that they'll be fine regardless of who they put on that team. So it won't hurt them as much there. But yeah, this opens up the gold medal, obviously. The double is now possible or much more likely for Noah Lyles. And Bromel's comeback story just became that much more doable as well, too. Do you know the Olympic track event schedule? Do I know the Olympic track event schedule? Gordon, Gordon, Gordon. 
I mean, the hundred's first, then the two hundred. It's how it always is with the hundred and the two hundred. No, you know what I want to know. What do you want to know? Oh no, is the one hundred? So the men's hundred, ooh, is Sunday. Oh, I know what you're thinking. Yeah, yeah. I know. What you're is thinking. it possible? No, no, it's not going to happen. You talking about Michael Norman? You talking about Norman? Yeah. No. Why? Can we see why, a one hundred double? Why would he skip the two hundred? That doesn't make any sense. Oh, you're saying because of the schedule. You're saying he's gonna yeah. do. You want him to do two of those events, and whichever yeah. two. So maybe do a. Are we gonna put? What if Norman is like, dude? Let's do. Get, I mean, he could become like an Allison Felix type, right? He could be on the four by one. He might be on the four by one. Be on the four if, by one and the four by four. Listen, if Norman runs the hundred and the four hundred in the Olympics, my head will explode, and I will. I will get to Tokyo personally. I'll find a way to get to Tokyo if Michael so Norman. That would that's like a Safan Hassan type situation there. I don't think I think he's going to try to win the four hundred because he got injured last year, and I don't think he's going to add more stuff. And if he can run the four by four, that would be gravy. Um, All right. So this is the schedule. He'd run the prelims. Are you looking at the trials or the on Olympics? Olympics. You run the you run on a Saturday the thirty first. He'll run the hundred meter prelim. All right, whatever you jog that that means nothing. That's a stride for his. No, oh, he doesn't need to run that because he'll be too fast. Okay, so Saturday the thirty first, he would run round one of the hundred. Okay. Then Sunday the next day, he would run round one of the four hundred. So one hundred jog, then a four hundred jog, right? Mm-hmm. And then. He would have to do okay. So this is the double. Basically, he would run the one hundred in the evening of one day, afternoon one hundred. Then he would run the next day. He would run morning four hundred, afternoon hundred hundred. So basically, he would have to do one four hundred first round in the morning before his hundred meter semifinal final back to back. Okay, so let me stop you right there. What do you think Michael Norman's best event is? His best chance for gold. 400. 400. Okay. What if I told you there was an event that was shorter than the 400, but did not conflict with the 400? Talking about a little thing called the 200. What if I told you that the 100 was missing the world champion from the previous year, but the 200 had a guy (sighs) who was probably going to run 19-4? Okay. He has a better chance of being Lyle's. Lyles, I know he already beat Lyles in the 200 recently. That's like in 2018. But yeah, he's a better shot at winning the 100 than he does in winning the 200, I think. With no Coleman, I, 100%. That's a, that's a contrarian take, and I respect the take, but he's better in the 200 than we think. He just hasn't run that many, and he's actually beaten Lyles in that event before. Uh, Norman in the 200 is like Lyles in the 100. There's they're there's they're good at it. They're really good at it. They just don't don't get the oppor- opportunities to run it. And we've never seen them in a major like we've never seen Lyles in a major championship hundred. We've never seen Norman in a major championship four hundred. Even going back to USC days, we never saw him in a two hundred. I think if he does anything, he does the four and the two. I'm guessing he just sticks with the four, tries to get that gold medal. What if he did the one four and two? 
Yeah, I mean, that would be obviously. Then I would ride, I would get in a boat and paddle my way to Tokyo if he is entered in the one, the two, and the four. Here's the thing, no, though. If a four, if a, if a four and a two is a normal double, right? If they set it up so four and two is like 400 and then you have the 200. Yeah. I just think, is running a 400 and the, like, does running 300s mess up your 400? Like, how much. I mean, maybe I'm naive about the energy it takes to run. Because when I think of doubles, I'm like, you know, a 5K tank. Like, imagine having to do, like, like how much does a 100 take out of you of your 400 legs? I think it's more just in the getting your body ready. If you have a morning session, you're getting up earlier. You're doing your warm-ups because you can't go out there. You're go- you can't go out there cold. And it's just another run on your, on your hamstrings, which, you know, your quads and – things that he's trying to yeah. keep healthy. I do like how you took this one suspension and granted it's a big suspension of the world champion and you just went <laughs> full chaos theory on it. You're just like, it's going to impact every single event. Michael Norman is going to be doubling. Michael Norman's going to win six golds. He's going to win <laughs> the hundred, the 200 to 400, four by one mix, four by four and the four by four. And it's going to be great. It's going to be the Michael Phelps of 2021. That's what I was going to say. Phelps without the swimsuit. I like it. Yeah. Listen, I think it clearly does I – mean, it takes away – there was a legitimate chance at a USA 1-2-3 in the 100. I think that is unlikely now. I think it adds, obviously, intrigue to Lyles's double and Bromel's comeback story. I think all those things are now heightened because you're missing the world champion and the fastest man in the world. But – Bromel was already going to be there. It's not like Bromel wasn't going to be running the 100 yeah. next year. And Lyles was already going to be going for the 200. So I don't think it adds anybody new into the mix. I just think it improves the prospects of the people who are already planning on running it helps that event. Let's be honest. It helps Gatlin the most. Correct. It helps people get onto the team. You're right. Yeah. It does help because it opens up that one extra spot. And again, on the relay with 4 by 4 4 by one excuse me, I don't think it makes a, a huge difference. I think that just comes down to whether or not the passes are good. Now, it helps to have a guy in there who's the world champion, and I'm sure psychologically it benefits. But I think the U.S. will be succeeding or failing just more contingent on whether or not they can have clean passes because you have plenty of talent there with Lyles, with Bromel, with Gatlin, with Rogers. Maybe, again, Michael Norman's sixth gold medal. Put him on that 4 by one as well. What about this? Let's think about the sport as a whole, the marketability of the sport. Usain Does Grant Bolt, Holloway double? Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, the same Bolt's uh, dominance helped the sport because having this, you know, eccentric guy winning everything, running fast times, uh, was good. He had a great last name, all that stuff. Uh, mm. So he helped like make the sport popular. People look, people looked forward to seeing Usain Bolt run. Right, even he became a household name. Mm-hmm. Without Coleman, that allows us to have Lyles become our household name of the 2020s. I, I think because if Lyles goes out there, and I mean, I guess the hundreds first goes out there, but loses to runs a fast time, but loses to Coleman by 0.01. Coleman runs mm-hmm. like nine. Seven, five, and Lyles runs nine, seven, eight. Get you know, yeah. So he gets second, 
And then Lyles goes on and wins a 200 in like 19-4, right? Mm-hmm. There, it's not going to have like having – so you have that scenario where you have Coleman running 9-7-5, Lyles running 9-7-8, getting second, going on to run like 19-4 or 19-3 in the 200. Right. That's scenario where you have two uh, 100-meter champion and a – and a 200 million champion. Now that, now what about this scenario? Lyles wins in 9.78 because there's no Coleman. He still runs the same time, then goes on to run 19.4. All of a sudden, you have Lyles yeah. being a double champion, running 9.78 and 19.4. He is the next bolt. He is eccentric. He's dancing on the track. Everyone loves him. He's getting all these deals. He is going to be the marquee athlete for the next 10 years. But if you have Coleman there, that marqueeness isn't as bright because you know he 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 has a, a L on his resume at the Olympics, and if we're gonna be honest, Lyles is more marketable than Coleman. Coleman is a lot more introverted, kind of keeps himself. Lyles is very like loud and you know, you know, yeah. having fun, right? So, mm-hmm. in a way, the marketability of the sport for the next for like the next five years, again, provided Lyles is healthy and he runs well, is in a better position yeah. with a, a Lyles double versus a split Coleman-Lyles. You have to do something really spectacular at the Olympics to keep people's attention because you're competing with all these other sports. And on the American side of things, you're competing with swimming where there's all these events, there's world records getting broken seemingly every night. And that's the expectation. So yes, winning one gold, even it was, though it would be impressive. Heck, he could even like break Michael Johnson's American record, and people would be like, "Yeah, but he got a gold and a silver, and he didn't break a world record." Like, what's the what's the big deal? I just yeah. I watched Usain Bolt a few years ago. That guy, that guy was amazing. And there's only one bolt, and there's only going to be one bolt. Um, and he had that perfect storm that you mentioned, right? Had the charisma, had the personality, had the name. Um but did it in the event that drew the most attention in a manner that was just completely stunning and was able to break world records. And that's not available to everybody in all events equally because of where some of the world records are positioned and how they're run in the Olympics. So I don't think Lyles is going to break 958 or 1919 next year, but the next best thing he can do, you're right, is, is sweep both of those events. And if he sweeps both of those events, I think – He'll be at the top of the top of the heap, and it's only three more years. He doesn't he doesn't have to wait four more years to have another Olympics. Think about twenty twenty four. Yeah, but think about this. Okay, imagine Niles Lyles wins a hundred, then he breaks the American record in a two hundred, and then he anchors yeah. to four by one to win. You yeah, know, yeah, yeah, and maybe yeah. they break the American record. Like he could come out of twenty twenty one as being like, like people be. Because the last thing that they'll see is him breaking an American record, and people may not be like, "Well, Bolt breaks world records, whatever." I think people will be like, "Whoa, he got three golds, and then he goes into yeah. Eugene and he wins those two, and then like people are going to be like, "Whoa, you know," and maybe yeah. Coleman, maybe like, maybe Coleman might not be on the top of his game in twenty twenty two, right? If you're going to have to go sit at home and watch the Olympics, you know, you're not going to really have a regular season to get ready for the 2022 season. Cause if he's not eligible till May, 
the trials are probably mm-hmm. in June, right? He's only got yeah. like a month tune up and then he's got to be in trials mode. And, you know, so mm-hmm. I think that here's what we know. Here's what we know. And NBC likes to create stars and they like to have a guy and a woman that they anchor their coverage around. And now it's gotten a lot easier for all the reasons that you mentioned. Lyles is going to be the person. Lyles is going to be the person they talk about in the lead up. They're going to have all the fun facts about anime and about rapping and about dancing and his really interesting and compelling backstory. And his he's going to be in the promos. And then it's going to be up to him to back it up. But if he does what you said, you think he's capable of doing, wins those three golds. Then he goes into 2022. And we've never had a home world championships outdoors. So we don't know what type of coverage there'll be for that. It, you, we would think the floor would be a world championships in another country. That's, a, that's as low as it can go. And that doesn't get a ton of attention in the United States, but maybe it'll go even higher. And you're right. Then he wins. Maybe he wins those championships again. Then there's 2023, which is a bit of a down year from the American perspective because the world championships are not here. Now, globally, they're somewhere else, Budapest. So he goes and he continues to win. And then he's back to the Olympics again in 2024. Like, so people might still remember him. People might be able to recall. I'm talking about the yeah. average American fans. Oh, that was only a couple of years ago. That guy, oh, yeah, he did the backflip when he won. Or he did this or he did and that, then, I'm sure. Oh, he had the socks. Yeah. He had the outfit. I mean, then you could have his 2020. I mean, we're already projecting out Lyle's <laughs> next <laughs> 10 years, but like, then he has his like his swan song type, like try to get the one last win in 2028 in, in on LA. home soil in LA, right? As like a 30 year old, you know, like kind of have like how Bolt had his one last 2016. Mm-hmm. So, do you know what? Do you know what else is in 2028 that he could be in the mix what? for? Presidential what? election. I'm just saying. Let's, oh. just, let's just push this. Is let's he just 35? This he has to be 35. Is he 35? Okay, so – well, see, that's tough because if he's that old, he might have a tough time at the Olympics. But if he's too young – let's see. He was born in – well, wait. What, what year are we in right now? 2020? Oh, no. He's not even going to be – yeah, no. That's not going to – that's not going to work. Okay. Um, mayor of LA? He's 23. He's born in 97. 23. So he – yeah. So he'd be 30 – what would he be? 30 – in twenty, in eight years, he'd be thirty-one. Man, he'd only be thirty-one. Okay, so I have so to wait on that. Thirty-five. I like how you. So pull- then, 20, so twenty thirty-two election. Twenty thirty-two election. He would be rip roaring and ready to go. Well, because he has to have like. Of- then he'll have mm-hmm. like all the the resume will be complete right in twenty twenty-eight. He'll have completed the athletic part, and then he has that four-year campaign. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And then we just have a, all track and field cabinet like carl lewis is there he's, he's getting he loves getting involved in politics and we just have the yeah, basically yeah. legends of track and field right of being yeah. the uh the ticket in 2032 hey josephus his brother's up there like the chief of staff or something it'd be that'd be yeah. pretty cool someone could write this book i like how we've taken it to that to that level okay who would be the any- who would be the press se- who would be the press secretary for a, a Noah Lyles uh, cab, uh, uh, press secretary. Um, who would be the one who's like the hype man? Who would be his hype man? I guess Josephus, right? 
You'd be a sight man? Yeah, I'm trying to think. Who, who else does he train with? Holloway. He's... Ooh, Holloway. Grant Holloway. Okay, good. You'd be there a great is. person to be at every press conference. Just like, <laughs> and I would be the number one reporter in there just trying to thrill what Lyles is doing with foreign aid and all that stuff. And then Holloway will be like, man, Gordon, I remember back in 2015 when you gave me a hard time about the 200, 100 double. Oh, man, that's great. I would. Pay- I want this to happen. 2032. I w- I would pay money just to see Grant Holloway be the press secretary for the day, just in general, <laughs> just in life, awesome. just standing up there answering questions. Be amazing. Okay, what other effects are you thinking are going to come from this, if any? What are we not thinking about that could change because of the suspension? I mean, he. Um, so he, 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 he let me interrupt you to answer my own question. Here's the alternate universe. Coleman comes back. He's eligible in Eugene gets his title back and parlays that into redemption tour wins in 23 and then wins in 24. And it'll be interesting to see how he's received by the public at that point. Yeah. It's also just like, a, I don't want to bring that know, down like, as like a, after we're I talking about press secretaries, but. Well, the, 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 the good old trope that you always see on the internet is like, if you look at the top 30 marks, Everyone has a doping-related offense to them except for one man, Usain Bolt, whatever, and they always, like, associate that everyone who runs fast at 100 has a doping whatever near them, right? Except for Bolt. Yeah. And I just think that now Coleman is going to be one of those statistics, and, like, I wonder how... How will people like people did not like Gatlin, right? When he came back, Mm -hmm. I mean, Mm -hmm. came back after eight years, but like people was eight or four, eight year? No, it was four. No, it was four. It was four from yeah, oh six to twenty ten. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's four. Um, Gatlin has never been able to get the the uh, a redemption story. You you know, you would think it would have been his. 2017 win right where he Mm -hmm. defeated bolt right uh but everyone just hated gallon because i mean yeah he did actually dope it's not like a whereabouts failure and gallon had the whole you know defense that he had with like it wasn't i didn't do it on purpose Mm -hmm. type defense Um, sabotage sabotage yeah i mean coleman though now like there's do you think people are going to call him treat him the way they treated Gatlin or no? You think it'll be, they'll look at it differently. I think it depends on how he handles it moving forward. And you touched on this earlier in terms of why AIU perhaps responded the way they did, because he was highly critical of them. Um, both after the first time that he was supposed to be suspended. And then the second time, you know, he came on our podcast and, and laid out his thoughts there and didn't really seem to hold anything back i think if he after he gets suspended and after he has time to think about it reflect and you know if if he does miss the olympics and the beginning part of 2022 and he comes back and he says hey i screwed up i take full responsibility um i hope everybody knows i'm clean and this was just more about me not taking care of the paperwork necessary i feel like i've paid a price for that that's fair and i hope you can judge me on my career moving forward um, based on this 
I think people, I think most people would be um, more welcoming than they are to Gatlin. With Gatlin, is okay. there's never been there's never been that moment with Gatlin. Even Tyson Gay, right? Tyson Gay was much more contrite um, after his suspension. I mean, he he didn't like you know throw himself at the mercy of the court. But if I'm remembering this correctly, he basically said, "Yeah, I put my trust in somebody I shouldn't have. Like I I, I screwed up." Whereas there's Gatlin, there's it's never gotten to that. It's never gotten to that point. Here's the thing. Imagine Coleman runs 9.6 in 2022. Yeah. Every write-up about his 9.6 is going to have a paragraph about his whereabouts failure. Everything is going to have an it's going to have an asterisk on it. Even if it's like a weird, like they're just going to have to be like, yeah, he's coming off of a two year suspension. Like, if whatever performance he does in 2022, it's going to be prefaced with coming off a two year suspension. And we're like, suspension? Why is he suspended? What? Maybe, oh, that's why he ran fast yeah. then, right? Like, there's nothing he's going to be able to do to win. Like, if he goes out and wins in 2022 and runs fast, it's all going to be like winning after two year suspension. Like, it's just going to be, it's forever going to chase him. I, I agree with that, and I've never been disappointed when I've thought that track media is going to take the cynical approach. But what do you think, if there are persuadable people out there, which argument do you think is going to be more persuasive to them when he comes back? Is it A, I never did it, they were out to get me, or is it B, I screwed up on the whereabouts stuff, I really apologize, I'm not going to make that mistake moving forward, but I'm clean. I mean, it's B. Right. Because I think by admit, by admitting fault, by admitting some fault to it, people are more likely to believe your whole story. Yeah. Yeah, but some people, it's hard to do that, right? Sometimes it's easier just to be, to, because we live in a society where even saying I'm sorry isn't enough, right? Like, I think culturally, but that's not we think entirely. like, but we also allow Sometimes. a lot for comebacks. We also allow yeah. a like we we forgive like Lance Armstrong has been able to rehabilitate his image. Now it's after his career, but he I see him on the front covers of magazines and he has his podcast and people who aren't in like the endurance sports world take him seriously. Yeah. And and that's like I think people will I mean Tiger Woods is a totally different scenario obviously there too but there was time for a while where it's like oh we we cast people off i think people's memory actually now is almost shorter than it used to be but i just i i I think it's all on how he wants to approach it moving forward and of course he's going to appeal and he has that right and he's going to appeal so he's going to protest his his innocence but i think moving forward this is this is mostly a pr thing right after the suspension is 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 finalized and it sets in um, and it's probably difficult to come to grips with that because he's been training his whole life for it. I think at that point it becomes, okay, moving forward, what are we going to do? Because we can't change what's already happened. Yeah. It's weird. It sucks. You know, you kind of, you just wish that. Yeah. I want like you really good runner. And I, if I had, a million dollars to bet, I would bet a million dollars that he's not doping. 
if I had a million dollars to bet, I would also bet a million dollars that he thought it wasn't that big of a deal. The mistests. You're that confident, huh? You're that confident. I'm confident that he just was – he's a 100% clean, naive runner. Okay. <laughs> yeah, All right. I, I mean, it, yeah. And, and I think people would say if that's the case though, there still needs to be rules and there still needs to be protections yeah, for the sport. And, and he – and he did. I just because of how the calendar worked out, the the punishment became an all or nothing scenario, because one year was basically zero years, and two years was basically everything with the Olympics. Yeah. And he'll, you know, in twenty twenty two home world championships, he could come back uh, for that. But Olympics are the big, the big prize as they've always been. So, email us your thoughts podcast at gmail.com. You don't just have to rag on Lincoln in the inbox. You can write about other things too. We're getting a lot of people just basically making fun of Lincoln and his takes, which Gordon and I appreciate, but I think it's starting to wear on wear on Lincoln a bit. Although he did yeah. get, did you see he got I'm running a, out of e- I'm running out of email addresses and aliases for these uh, anti-Lincoln <laughs> Did you see he got a uh, wood surface to put yeah. his microphone on? Look at that. Moving on up. 2020. Who would have thought? It's big. Not a desk. You know what's not a desk. You know what's great about this podcast? We are like an hour in. We could say whatever we wanted publicly about Lincoln, and he will not know because he's not going to listen this deep into the podcast. No. Yeah. I don't, so what's the listen, one thing I you want to say to time. him? What's the one thing you want to say to his face that you know he won't hear? But it's kind of funny that it's out there in the open, so you can always like maybe one day he'll go back to episode one seventy. Was it seventy seven? Of the flow check mm-hmm. Kevin said that about me. I'm just kidding. I'm yeah, I'm, Lincoln's a great guy. Let's just be honest. He's I was gonna say I, I was gonna say I miss you. I was gonna look right into the camera and say I miss you, but I don't know if he he definitely doesn't watch it. So I listen to all your guys's because number one, it's the best combination of the podcast, and, and number two, <laughs> I want to make sure I'm not I want to make sure I'm not repeating what we do the previous day. I don't want to bring something up. Um, and a lot of times I learned something when you're talking, especially cross-country stuff. Speaking of cross-country, you and Lincoln tomorrow are going to preview Friday's conference championships. Is that correct? Yeah, 100%. Conference weekend, baby. Got the Sun Belt, Conference USA, ACC, Big 12, and SEC. And then also we have the MAC Conference in November. We have the Southern Conference in November. We have America's Race in November. America? Lots of... Yeah, Army versus oh. Navy versus Air Force. Oh, oh, it's ca- being called America's Race. Yeah, that's a. That's it's called a America's Race, the Service Academy Cross Country Championships. Okay, okay, yeah. So the big, the big three though coming up on Friday, which has March implications. Remember that, folks. It has implications on what happens in. March. I saw, I don't want to divulge too much about your sources. I'm not going to include the name or that many specifics, but you, uh, you were telling us about the story of one coach that you talked to about, Hey, what are we going to do indoor XC? And that response was basically, ah, I don't know. <laughs> I got to figure that out. Uh, yeah. <laughs> He's, How yeah. common do you think that sentiment is? Uh, I think it's common, right? Yeah. I think some people don't have to worry about it. There's a lot of coaches out there like, whatever, who cares if our 16-minute male 5K runners go do their cross-country thing. We're cool. Mm-hmm. We do indoor here. But, yeah, 
it's gonna be a uh, it's gonna be interesting. Anyway, we'll talk about cross country tomorrow. Email the pod mm-hmm. flowcheckpodcast at gmail.com. I'm Gordon. That's Kevin. See you tomorrow.